Welcome to the first ever morning matcha. I'm here today with Taylor Eyewalker. She's a kundalini teacher, a scent alchemist with a line of botanical perfumes called Eyewalker Elements, and she's also a spiritual counselor. Hi, Taylor. Hi. So happy to be here with <laughs> you today. Thanks for coming today. Yeah. So, okay, I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah, it's so and good I'm to really see you. I'm really happy that you're here. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. And I just wanted to know what you've been up to because you have so much, you do so much and you offer so much to people and I haven't seen you in a few months and you moved to Long Beach and you're still teaching in Venice, right? I am. And you have private clients and I you're do. still doing the sense. I am. Yeah. yeah. So tell us like everything that you've been up to and how it's going. So it's interesting. I was actually talking to a new friend about this the other day and LA is my home. It's the place where my community is. It's the place where I've built my business. It's the place that I really came into my womanhood. And it's like this really beautiful relationship that I have that I'm, I'm not really ready to let go of. And I moved down to Long Beach to be with my partner and experiment what it would be like to live together and share a life together. And I've been spending a lot of time, obviously, with my other lover, L.A. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good way of putting it. Right? And I'm, I'm having an interesting time integrating myself into the Long Beach community. And I keep remembering that what's really important for me that when I'm doing anything is how can I share my gifts? What did I come to this place here to do other than live with my partner? Because while that may be wonderful for some women, for I think women like you and I, we want to find a place in the world where we can share our gifts, our dharma, and, and really be seen in the way that we'd like to be seen and share in the way that we like to share. So I'm in this uncovering process of what I can actually do to share my gifts in a new city, meet the people that resonate with what I do and resonate with my energy. And, and so I'm slowly but surely getting uh, some tea serving in the community. So I'm doing Chao Dao tea ceremony, which I've been doing the practice of Chao Dao for a a long time now. And, uh, I will eventually get my yoga classes started in Long Beach, but right now I'm I'm grounding into a new neighborhood, building a beautiful home, and being really creative inside of the home. And I've been working on my two upcoming retreats. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I have one in January, which is in Topanga, so a local retreat, and then I have one in Greece in May. Wow. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Greece before? I've never been to Greece. That's a big step. I know. So this awesome company, Yogascapes, they invited me to lead a retreat in Ithaca. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm working on that and obviously working on my private clients still and developing group programs and developing a new line for my sense. So that's kind oh of a crash course. Oh my gosh, there's course. so much to talk about. So yeah. for people who don't know, will you talk a little bit about the tea? Yeah, definitely. So I, I found living tea, especially the tea called Puer in about 2008. And I was with some of my friends in San Francisco. And this one guy friend was like, we have to go to this tea shop 
and this it, we they serve tea there as well. We have to go to this tea shop called Om Shanti, and they no longer exist. But at the time, we went there, and we spent nine hours there. We sat there and wow. we drank hours and hours on end of this tea called puer. And I had never been so transported into my body and yet so expansively through the experience of something like tea. And I knew that there was something really special to it. And as I started diving into the exploration of tea practice, I, I realized that this is a very, very, very long lineage of practitioners back, dating back to the Ming Dynasty, where these monks and these practitioners would use the tea leaf to connect to a deeper level of their spirit get messages, get clear, get present. And it was this very sacred practice to them, like meditation. And uh, there's a way of every hand movement. There's a way of every bowl turn. There's a way of every steeping. There is this kung fu, or gong fu, they call it. Mm -hmm. Gong fu means with precision. Oh, wow. And so there, there is this intention behind it yeah it's so beautiful to watch and to just be sitting in tea right so I I met my tea teacher in 2012 and I've been who Wuda okay Wuda and so I've been drinking tea and studying tea through global global tea hut and visiting the tea school in Taiwan in Taiwan you've been I've been wow how many times just once (gasps) Yeah, That's but I hope huge. to go again sometime soon. So yeah. when did you go then? Uh, I went in 2015. Yeah, 2015. So you studied it for a while before going? I did. He started coming to Los Angeles before in you 2012. Went. Oh, okay. So whenever he would come, I would sit with him. How often does he come? Not as much anymore, mm-hmm. but he, he used to come at least once or twice a year. That's great that you're doing that in Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm opening up the house to serve to the community right now. Okay. So what about, you didn't mention this, but I've seen you post about it. What about the music stuff? Haven't you been doing... I've been playing lots of music. Okay, I mean, for people, just inviting people to come. Inviting people yeah. to come, and and I have music gatherings and sound gatherings. I'm really interested in the sound current in general. Uh, mantra, of course, through the practice of Kundalini Yoga, but uh, how how the sound frequency can uh, attune our bodies, mm-hmm. basically. And so I, I want people to gather and experience the world of sound as an architecture for their inner and outer reality yeah so I have big visions for sound and gathering and and yoga the essence of yoga Mm -hmm. yeah what sign are you Libra okay I mean I love I I love Libras that are in tune with themselves right yeah (laughs) no Libras that aren't in tune (laughs) no I mean I just feel like when you're in your element and you just have so many ideas and you do all of them mm-hmm. and you're able to just, I don't know, organize these things and manage everything and also be exactly what you preach 
to people. I mean, I don't want to say preach, but you practice everything that you're sharing with everyone. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's interesting. I, I have a lot of Libra and I think that that's where my love for fashion, my love for smells, my love for beauty, uh, all of that comes from. And then I, we have a very complex chart, all of us. We're all so yeah. multifaceted. And, and so in Vedic astrology, I'm what one would call a Scorpio. Mm-hmm. And so I have that determination, that drive, that depth, that energy. And it's really nice because anchoring in with all of that, my South Node, which is what I've mastered in my previous lifetimes, is Capricorn. Wow. So it makes sense that I'm really on top of things, that I do my best to be on time all of the time. If not, I always communicate with people and I, I really stay on top of my business. Business meaning my relationship, my friendships, my, my professional life. And, and so I think that it's really interesting to understand where you came from and what you've mastered and then what you came here to learn. Mm -hmm. So I came here to learn about community, about relationships, about beauty, about what it means to feel beautiful, what it means to, uh, to exude beauty from a genuine point of view from, from something that is not mm, what's considered beautiful in pop culture. External beauty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your spiritual counseling. Is that what you call it? Yeah, I call it spiritual counseling. Uh, I think the way that I've started to develop the work that I do is I really want people to master their unit, right? So mastering their body what it means to really have enough energy to do what you need to do when you need to do it. Understanding how their language creates their reality. Mm -hmm. So understanding that love is the actions of the hands and the feet. What does that mean? Right? So... So even though we could say, I love you a million times over, Mm -hmm. what are your hands and your feet doing in this world to show the action of love in everyday life. And this just means, do our words meet our thoughts, meet our actions? And when we are in congruency with all of these things, we are going to be able to have more energy to do whatever we need to do when we need to do it. I really want people to understand their complexities but also understand that the very simple thing that we need to do the most is be embodied, be grounded, and be present so we can actually move forward with the things that most inspire us. So there are people who like to figure out what their what's their goal in life, like where am I headed, who am I, those types of big picture questions. And it's so nice to have someone to give them direction. And I personally have been, you know, benefited from you helping me Mm -hmm. on the project that I started Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out not just the big picture, but the day-to-day, like how to speak my truth, how to be able to kind of, I guess, articulate the things that I need others to also, we all need to be on the same page, right? We all need the same vision, everyone on the team. But that's what I really benefited from. Mm -hmm. And I've seen you at work there and it's so beautiful. And so I'm curious for people who 
maybe they know where they want to go, but they're stuck in their story and in their day to day. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's like peanut butter. Like yeah. they can't get out of it. It's, it's that, that lovely little merry-go-round. It's like, it's Groundhog Day, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's just Groundhog yeah. Day. It's interesting. I was actually talking about that this morning. I have a handful of clients going through that. And I have, no, I have two handfuls of clients <laughs> going through that, that story. Yeah. And then I have about one handful of clients that are not stuck in that story. Mm-hmm. It is more common to be stuck in that story than it is to not be stuck in that story. Because the subconscious thought forms that we have are so seductive. They are seductive and we are constantly interlocking with those subconscious thought forms that it actually becomes very difficult for one to get out of it unless they develop a daily practice of yoga and meditation. And I have found that through the practice of Kundalini yoga and meditation or Tibetan Buddhist practices, those are the practices that pull us out of our subconscious thought forms and into a clearer state where we can actually have awareness. And I like to say, see from a bird's eye point of view, that even if we get stuck in a realm, a realm of ex- of existence, that we see that you know, in the blink of an eye, we have three seconds to see, oh, I'm in a realm. I'm in the hell realm right now. Mm-hmm. And I have the ability to pull myself out of that because I now have a tool in which to practice in the moment. And my tool to practice in the moment is what? What, what does every teacher, what does every person say that is connected to source and spirit that is the most essential thing? Every teacher says this breath. It's that one breath that changes your experience in the moment. And it gives me chills just to think about that the the breath of life, it is so truly transformational. Mm -hmm. And yet getting people to practice every single day is at times like pulling teeth. And that in itself is a battle of the subconscious thought forms because people don't want to change. Yeah. People want to stay stuck in those patterns because why? We gravitate towards what's uh, we gravitate towards what's most comfortable, right? And we can say that change is going to be better for us, or I want to change, or I want to do this in my life. But your actions are actually representing what you want to do. So if your actions are keeping you here in this cocoon of, you know, commotion and misery, but you say with your words that you want to be over there in awareness and happiness, but your actions are still over here, what you say holds no ground, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're actually most comfortable here and changing is difficult. And so that's what I work on with people is finding the energy and the discipline inside of oneself to say, I have nothing left. I, I just have to give it a try and see if practicing every day in some form or fashion, even if it's five, 11, 20 minutes, will do something for me and create something different. 
That's so moving. I can feel your passion for it. Yeah. So how do you deal with all these people who are not as centered as you? The best way to put it. (laughs) It helps me remember that I used to not be centered. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, are you kidding? I, I'm, I, I'm a wild child. I was an actress. I was an artist. I still am. And, and of course I lived kind of a wild, crazy punk rock music art lifestyle. And I was, I was not embodied. I was not grounded. I would flip flop a lot. And so I have a lot of compassion. So it's your gratitude practice. Oh yeah. (laughs) Or or something. I have a lot of compassion and I have a lot of understanding for people that are struggling, for people that have heaps of psychoses. Maybe, maybe I didn't have that type of psychoses. Maybe I didn't go through massive states of depression, but I can feel the suffering of every human being that I work with. And my goal is to help each and every person see that light that they can turn on inside of them because everybody has it. We have this light of the soul that is so beautiful and it is our it is our human experience to touch that light of the soul and and I get energy from working with people that have lots of dysfunction and letting them see the the nuggets like you guys like to call it the nuggets of awareness or I like to say that see that the nectar Mm -hmm. that people are getting just in the little bits of awareness through our work together that slowly day by day month by month year by year they are becoming a completely different person and I think that it's almost more interesting to to be crazy and yeah move into this state of embodiment and being that is clear that's interesting to me mm-hmm. because that is a challenge it is a challenge but uh but we can do that we we have the ability to do that so that's how i stay that's how i stay grounded basically it gives me energy it gives me energy to do that it it I feel connected to everything that is when I do that. Wow. You know, I'm a Libra, right? So what happens with Libras? What are we doing? We're ba- we're balancing mm-hmm. and we're we're almost evening out the energy dynamics that were around. And so if someone's really kind of hyperactive around me, my tendency is to actually get really quiet. Mm-hmm. and to get really still. But if someone is very quiet around me, what do I do? I happen to be more energetic. I happen to communicate more. I happen to bring the energy up. And so I feel like I'm constantly dancing with my environment. Well, wow, I'm the complete opposite. <laughs> but that's what makes us beautiful, yeah, yeah. right? That's what, that's what, you know, and, and you're curating your life to, mm-hmm. to work for you. And that is why you're doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you or that you've done? 
Oh, man. I don't... I want to be able to answer this question, and I want to be really funny. Um, I... Has anything happened lately or, I mean, when I think about this question, I think about the time that I peed my pants in third grade because I was too afraid of asking to go to the bathroom because I could never, like, I didn't want any attention on me. And so I decided to just pee my pants. And then I told, like, everyone that I fell into a sink. No, like... (laughs) It doesn't even make any sense. And I was actually, (laughs) I was in fourth grade. No, and I was like teacher aiding on my recess break for third graders. And so it was like my break. I wasn't even like in the classroom. (laughs) The girl You were a teacher's aide when you were eight? Yeah, because like my sister did it. So I had to do it kind of thing. And then I was helping this girl and I was right next to the door to leave Uh and I was so afraid and she like was sitting down and she looked up at me and she was like you're peeing oh no and I was like I I know (laughs) I literally said I know oh my gosh yeah so that was like but that doesn't mean that you know something could have happened yesterday that was super embarrassing I wish that I had something really (laughs) embarrassing I I mean one of the things that came up just as you were telling this story and maybe it wasn't so maybe it's not so such an embarrassing story but I remember I was this, this is kind of what a dreamy kid I was I was with my parents on a chairlift going up a mountain to ski a, like double black diamond oh no skiing I think I was eight or so you know so, yeah. something always happens when, when you're, you're eight. eight. Oh my god and and so uh both of my parents got off the chairlift but I froze and I didn't get off the chairlift and my dad was like Taylor what are you doing <laughs> my mom was like Taylor why are you still you're going up you keep going up up oh no and I went you know they dropped us down and then I stayed on and the chairlift goes high up and it starts to go around the mountain (gasps) and I decide that it's a good idea to jump 15 feet out of the chairlift in my skis Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I, I land flat like a like a bird squat when I jumped out of the out of the chairlift. So you made it. I made it, and there was this big crowd of people around me, and I was hor- horrifically embarrassed that oh, I no. that I spaced out and froze and didn't get out of the chairlift, but then jumped out of the chairlift, and and I was like, oh no, it's no big deal, no big deal, no, you know, something like that. But that's the only embarrassing thing that I could really think of that I've actually done for some reason. Which I is don't like really badass really and not embarrassing. Embar- <laughs> embarrassed very much yeah maybe (laughs) well that's good I feel like I am always I was always embarrassed you were at some like for some reason like girl reasons yeah you know like whatever it's like in seventh grade I like bled through my pants yeah and I was like shit there's a puddle under me and I'm in class right now it's like so many horrific like situations have a good story you know we're women and who knows who knows how many people listening are women and for the guys get used to it okay exactly (laughs) it happens every month if you're gonna be friends or around a woman (laughs) 
I, I remember when I started my period and I was at Brightleaf Music Camp at Duke University. And it, wow. Yeah, it was, I think I was 14 and we were there for a week, just a week. And of course, during that time, I started my period for the first time. And I freaked out. I remember I was feeling really weird, really off. And then I went to the bathroom and I noticed that there was blood in my underwear. And I was so embarrassed that I was bleeding. And I stuffed a bunch of uh, toilet paper in my underwear. This is so horrific, actually. And then I went back to my room and I took my un- my bloody underwear off and I put them, I hid them in, in my desk or something. And then when we got back oh, from, no. we were interviewed, <laughs> everybody was trying out for the musical act that we were doing. And we got back from our tryouts and our plan for the music week. And there were ants <gasps> covering my entire no. desk. And my roommate, who I didn't really know very well, she was like, why are there ants <laughs> crawling from out of this drawer and I was like no reason no reason and then she pulled open the drawer and it was my bloody underwear and it was the most awkward situation and I think for the longest time I was ashamed of bleeding I carried shame up until I think I, I dealt a lot with uh, developing further into my femininity. And this is getting serious. It's not getting funny anymore. But no, yeah, but it's, it's but, real. Yeah, I think I I think that moment of shame stayed with me for a really long time, and until I really started to embrace that it was interesting to be a sexy feminine, Mm -hmm. empowered woman connected to her reproductive system? Mm -hmm. Did I really create an interesting relationship to the blood that came out of my body? For the longest time, I, there was, I wouldn't talk about it. It was very awkward. So yeah, that, I guess that was a, that's that was an embarrassing part of my life. Yeah, and I think that it's a essential part of uh, kind of ch- growing through the challenges mm-hmm. that I've been given and and coming through to another space inside of myself. Yeah, it makes me think of like you know Think's underwear. Yeah, and what they're doing. It's and- awesome. I wear those. They're yeah, so too. amazing. They're the best. Yeah. I have, I want to buy so many more because yeah. like, I mean, I go through them. Yeah, <laughs> you of know? course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I know. I'm so, I, I hoard, I'm like, how can I hoard my underwear to strategically plan my day yeah. to make sure that I don't, have, I it's, know. it's like, you, you have just enough. need to get more. Yeah. You just need to get more. <laughs> it's so funny. So what keeps you up at night? that like laugh but not laugh you're like why did you ask me that Mm. it's interesting I've actually I've actually had a difficult time sleeping the last two nights just for the first 30 minutes that I'm in bed and usually I'm out like a light but lately I've been feeling people close to me and feeling very concerned for their well-being and it's not like I can do anything about 
their well-being. But for some reason, I feel like a lot of um, my close loved ones are going through some sort of psychic challenge right now. And I have this anxiety about what they're going through. And that is actually what's been keeping me up at night. Even though I can't control anybody else's life, I can't, yeah, I can't even help them with what they're going through. Our, our process is so individual and so it is all up to you. I've mm-hmm. been, I've been listening to this one artist, maybe music artist lately, who his name is Mind Design. Mm-hmm. Super awesome dude. Wow. And uh, his whole album is like, it's all up to you. And he talks about how it's all up to you and the cosmic perspective and you're the only one that can be in control of your reality and and it's true it's like whatever whatever close close person that's going through any challenge right now is is I have concern for them and and yet you know their life is a determination of their karmas and their choices and their experiences I think that's one thing that sometimes keeps me up at night and uh, if I wait to do my sadhana for the last minute, I, I cannot not do my sadhana. It's not that I get this puritanical guilt, but I get this, I get this like, but I've, I've come this far and I, I really need to complete this. And I've given my word to myself and it's 1159 and I haven't finished, like, <laughs> I haven't finished at the end of the day. At the end of the day. Oh my there God. There will be days when I, I cram so many mm-hmm. fascinating things in my day but then the sadhana sometimes gets pushed last if I don't wake up at three in the morning so you wake up either you start your day with it or you end it because it's during do you do your sadhana during those specific hours you know I I do my sadhana early in the morning which I prefer it is the truth through and through that you get the most energy when you start your day with your brainwash mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to call it you know you start your day washing your body with the mm. practice you really wash your body wash your brain and it's like taking a shower if we don't take a shower we stink right yeah I love that analogy yeah, yeah. Yogi Bhajan t- he says you know our our meditation practices are shower for our brain and for our soul and so I like to start my day with that but there are some days when I don't get around to my practice until 4 to 7 p.m. those are also big energy times during the day and then there are times when I am sneaking it in in the last minute and that is a that is a struggle and every part of me wants to go to bed and you know it doesn't it doesn't happen all the time so that that keeps me up if if I'm not on target with my that's my business right if I'm not on target with my sadhana then I'm I am lazy with my business Mm -hmm. I like to think about it in that way and so I, I feel grateful that doing my sadhana is work yeah wow yeah so when you do it, it's like 11.59 p.m. And you're like, oh, my God, I have to get up. And I really need to do this. And you're laying in bed with your partner, maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm not laying in bed with my partner. Or maybe I, you know, he's like, come to bed. Or that's hardly ever because he's, he's <laughs> he always sleep. up late. Yeah. He's like, he's a workhorse. Mm-hmm. It, there will be times when he's still working in the shop until three in the morning. And I'm wow. like, when are you coming home? Wow. <laughs> so you have the alone time or in the space to do it. Yeah, I have lots of alone time. And I get lots of space in my partnership, which is cool. 
cool because it, it gives, I think it's really important for me to have a lot of that space to live my individual life. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the only way partnership can really work for me. Yeah. Is to just remember that it's it's beautiful and it's companionship. Uh, we're cohabitating and we're creating together and we are individuals and we are interested in different things. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. That's how I like to have mine too. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, That's yeah. what keeps you up. That's what keeps me up in it. Your sadna. My sadna. You know, caring for other people. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I wish I had something funny and neurotic to say. Well, for some people that might be. <laughs> right? I know. I know. People are like, oh, yeah, your sauna keeps you up at night. Yeah, well, you're not. <laughs> for people who don't know what that is, maybe we can, you can explain it. Yeah. It's, it's just my daily meditation and yoga practice. Yeah. How long is it? One hour and 20 Wait a minute. Okay. We've got, it's, it's just under one hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. Every time you Every can't day. do like a 11 minute sadhana. I don't do an mm-hmm. 11 minute sadhana. I have a, I have a lot of different meditations that I'm working on right now because I'm working on achieving specific goals. And I like to, you know how some people take pills for certain things? Or, well, well, we won't talk about the pill culture. No, I culture. want to talk about the pill culture for sure. <laughs> Actually, I totally forgot I want to talk about the pill, pill culture. culture. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about pill culture. Who pills. doesn't love being a pill popper yeah. in this day and age? Exactly. <laughs> We're actually, I was just talking to some... 12 year olds perfect <laughs> exactly it was like we recently had the holidays and I was talking to some 12 year olds that are in my family yeah and they were asking about all sorts of things because I have this thing where I think that Santa is a gateway drug and it's a whole nother story for another time but yeah. um we start talking about that kind of stuff and they're like oh like in school we learned about like I don't know what they called it, not Skittles parties, but something like that where they think that, and maybe this happens, but I was never involved with anything like this, where people get together and they have like a bowl of different pills and they pass them around and they just pill pop and they just like take them like they're Skittles or whatever, Whoa. other like M&Ms Pharmaceutical or whatever. Pharmaceutical yeah. pills? Yeah. Wow. That is shocking yeah but not so shocking I know but but it's shocking and 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 really sad to me um well okay but I will say okay I personally don't believe in pills well okay I do take a natural thyroid supplement yeah and but it's like actual thyroid gland. I take it three days a week. Right. And I before that I was so against everything and and I had to overcome even the things that I think. Yeah. And I mean the yeah, my opinions about things and maybe there's never right or wrong. I think sometimes in every individual case there's certain circumstances where that might really help you. Right. Um but even so, I, with antidepressants right. and Xanax and things like that, maybe even, I don't know, bipolar, mm-hmm. that might be helpful. And so I feel like 
I don't want to say no, that is so wrong, but I still have this like in my gut feeling like on the outside, I'll be like, yeah, I understand in every circumstance, but even so in my, in my heart, I just feel that there should, there needs to be another way or at least trying to find another way in the beginning, not just resorting straight to the pill. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's interesting. I actually have a story that really hits close to home because it's with one of my clients. Mm. And she started getting put on anti-anxiety and anti-depression medication at eight years old. An eight-year-old. Again, we've been talking about eight a lot today. But eight years old, her parents said, you're not normal. You're not like other kids. You need help. And you're not right. So the programming that got put into her brain was, I'm not like everybody else. I'm never going to be normal. I need this pill to function properly. And on and off, on and off, throughout her life up until this point she's been on anti-anxiety and anti-depression medication wow and it's interesting uh she was on it when we started working together and there was a time when she she kept battling should I get off of them should I stay on them and my my school of thought is you have everything you need Mm -hmm. You just have to know how to access it. And when she got off of the medication, her depression went to an all-time low. I have never had someone so close to me that I work with that experienced such a state of uh, uh, death and hell and turmoil. And there was nothing that I could do to help her. And I, I prayed for her every day and I meditated on her every day. And one day I wrote her and I just said, hey, you are so talented. You are so gifted. You're also 28 27 years old so you're in your Saturn return you're really formulating who you came here to be in the world and uh, creating the foundation for all of your gifts to be seen and appreciated and you're squandering that opportunity that you have right now to build a foundation because you're going through so much depth of depression and I asked, I asked for guidance through and through. And the answer was, you need to get back on your medication for a little while. Get your projects birthed. Be creative. Find a consistent mode to monetize your creativity. And create the life that you want for yourself through this support that you've had for a very long time and while it doesn't help her be the very person that she wants to be it helps her function in some sort of way in the world and 
I did not understand the magnitude of the depths that one could go through Mm -hmm. until it hit so close to home. And so she said, you know what? You're right. But I don't want to get on the same one that I was on because it was making me fat. You know, that's her story. And and the reason that she got off of it was that she thought that it made her fat. And so, you know, then we have this distorted view of beauty. We have this distorted way of how we feel in our body. And with the pill or without the pill, there's dissatisfaction. So she went on a new medication, which is supposed to support in not gaining weight or not affecting the thyroid and she's finding her inspiration again she's finding her creativity again she's getting some things that she's excited about back into the world and so this is a story for all the people that maybe have been on antidepressants and yet they're getting into their spirituality and every militant spiritual teacher or their holier than thou friend that's been involved in yoga for the last three years (laughs) is saying, you know, know, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication are bad. And while, yes, they disconnect us from a part of our soul and our spirit and our nature, sometimes our option to function in the world looks like this right now. And until we truly understand the power and the capacity that we have inside, we might need these little supports. And who am I to say that I know what's best for anybody else, right? Because it is all up to us. And and this is, this is what this one meditation that I've been doing, and I want to share this because it's really interesting, the power of Kundalini Yoga. I was shared this meditation and I said, wow, I want that. It's called, Yogi Bhajan has these really funny names for his kundalini meditations. And this is the meditation to maintain the body without having to eat. (laughs) I want that. I want that. (laughs) Basically, I've always been interested in the siddhas that have been able to survive off of the energy of the sun. Yeah, we were just talking about breatharians. Yes, I've been so fascinated with that whole concept for a really long time. Although, if you know anything about me, you know that I will travel to the other side of the world for food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I can't give up food. But this meditation, basically, it's like, you know, the people that are the sun eaters, they wake up early in the morning between that four to 7 a.m. period of time and they gaze at the sun and they get all of the nutrition that they need through gazing at the sun and they don't actually need to eat because they, they get their be, energy from the sun. Do they need to be in the sun or just looking at it? They gaze directly at the sun at a particular time of day on the horizon where the sunlight meets. You don't want to do it midday when the sun is at full blast. You want to do it at the morning or it's, you know, twilight or sunrise. And so this meditation balances all of the protons, neutrons, and electrons in the body. And you are are actually giving yourself nutrition. And I said, I'm going to take on the sadhana and see what it would be like to 
find the energy, right? Create free energy inside of my own body to give myself the nutrition that I need. And even in a matter of, I've, I've been on it for about 30, I've been on the pill. I've been on the, the pill, the <laughs> yeah. meditation to make you not have to eat pill for the last 30 something days. And the experience that I'm having with the force of energy inside of my body is unparalleled. And this is what we have to realize is that anything is possible, is that we cannot limit ourselves. And we actually have all of the energy that we need at any time. And it is a strategic way of cultivating that and developing that inside of ourselves. And yet, what happens? We go back to our subconscious thought forms. When our subconscious thought forms tell us that we can't produce the energy that we need, we might need a little bit of help from our friends to get us out of there. And maybe our friends are are Chinese tonic herbs. Maybe our friends are pharmaceuticals. Who am I to say what's good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. So it it all depends on where you're at. Yeah. And your upbringing and your thought forms. And integrating everything, like maybe, like you're saying, you don't have to choose. We don't have to choose. Just because someone takes antidepressants doesn't mean that they can't do yoga and meditate. Absolutely. Just because someone drinks alcohol doesn't mean they're not a spiritually realized being. Mm -hmm. And this is what, these are, these are kind of this spiritual materialism things that we're going through in this new age. I mean, for me, alcohol ungrounds me. I don't particularly thrive well on alcohol, mm-hmm. but Chogyam Trumpa, who was the one, a very enlightened being, this crazy wisdom guru, he was a massive alcoholic. No way. Yeah, <laughs> a massive alcoholic and womanizer. Wow. And yet fully realized spiritual being and teacher. So we, we have to get out of this idea of good or bad, right or wrong. That is a concept of reality that is limiting. Yeah, we've been talking about that. It's calling it dissolve. Right. It's like not left or right, girl or boy, this or that. It's just, it is. Right. But it's so much easier to say that than actually do it or think it. It's like up to us to, because that's what we've been programmed to think. Yeah. I mean, I catch myself all the time thinking that way. Of course. So then it's, you know, it's about doing those meditations. It's about finding that awareness and finding that intuition within ourselves and just just, I guess, just thinking about it is the first step. Right. And I just ask myself the simple question, am I grounded? Am I not grounded? That's it. Does this unground me? If it does, it's probably best for me not to do it. Do I feel grounded and embodied? Yes. Okay, great. It's a part of my, it's a part of my, my life, or maybe it's a part of my program. But, but my life is about grounding myself into this earth and realizing that I belong down here, right? We belong down here. But some people don't know what it feels like to be grounded. Right. Yeah. Some people don't know what it's like to feel grounded because maybe, 
maybe their mother was ungrounded when when they were in utero you know it could start as is very far back as that point and if we can just get present get grounded understand what it even feels like just beyond the path to understanding then we can start to have a different experience in our bodies mm-hmm. i guess it all starts with that one breath Mm-hmm. It all goes back to the breath. Thank you for sharing. I wanted to ask you one last question. Yeah. Why did you come today? Yeah. Well, there's many reasons I came today. I, I, obviously, I just want to see you. <laughs> <laughs> and hang out. And hang out. And drink I mean, matcha. Drink matcha. <laughs> Which I, we've totally I, forgot about. <laughs> My matcha is a little bit cold right now, but it's still delicious. Wait, you're so good at it. I like drink it off the side of my, <laughs> no, seriously, my mouth because it's going to hit. <laughs> you know, I'm a professional bowl drinker. I know, that's true. <laughs> we need to get you in and do a workshop. Yeah, do some tea, mm-hmm. do some yoga. Uh, well, I, lo- I love sharing. I love, I love sharing what I'm doing with people that are also doing really interesting things in the world. I love collaborating, and so that's one of the reasons why I came. But I, I love working with you. Mm-hmm. Your spirit lights me up, your energy lights me up, and your presence on the planet lights everybody around you Aww, up. So, that's so sweet. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Of course. When I look at you saying it, it's just, I don't know, I get that feeling that... Like I, be- it's like I believe you, and then I'm like, oh, okay, like that's the way it is. Yeah, that's what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> but normally I'm like, no, really, I don't think so. That's because it's you. you know? but thank you. Yeah, it's so easy to accept from you, I guess. Yeah, like good. Accept Let that nourish and saturate you because it's it's the truth. It's the truth. Thank you. Yeah.